Before we get into the message this morning, um, I want to make a couple of quick announcements. One is, this is a time of year that we take our missionary Christmas offering. So if you go back to the information center, there is a Christmas gift box there where you can give today and next Sunday. So our Chris, missionary Christmas offering will be today and next Sunday. And you can give in that box back there to help our missionaries at Christmas time. Second, next Sunday morning during Sunday school, all of our adults, junior high students, and senior high students will meet here in the auditorium for Sunday school. We will be hearing a missionary ministry presentation from Dan and Hannah Knox. They are missionary appointees to the Philippines with Ethnos 360. We are seriously considering them for possible support. So this will be your opportunity to hear them, to ask questions of them in the foyer, because it is very likely in the months to come that we will be taking a vote on them. And so this is your opportunity to hear from them. Well, this morning, I want to do two things. One is we're going to continue in our study of the Gospel of John. We've been studying the Gospel of John for almost two years now. Secondly, I want to tie in what we're looking at with Local Evangelism Month. This is Local Evangelism Month, the month of October. We are emphasizing our God-given responsibility to share the gospel with others. March is our missions month, emphasizing more cross-cultural overseas evangelism. But this month, we emphasize local evangelism, all of our responsibility. We are looking at the resurrection of Jesus, and we are looking at part three of the resurrection of Jesus. All of John chapter 20 and 21 focus on the resurrection. The longest section of any of the four Gospels, it is about the resurrection of Jesus and then his post-resurrection appearances to his followers. We looked in part one at the empty tomb. We looked at part two last week as Mary Magdalene, or Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. The first, the very first person he appears to after his resurrection is Mary. And then he suddenly transports himself into a locked room where the disciples are meeting along with a few others, probably some of the women, probably the two disciples who are on the road to Emmaus. They're all there and Jesus comes and he appears to them and says, peace be with you. But there are two of the 12 who are not there. Obviously, Judas Iscariot is not there because by this time he has taken his own life. And secondly, for reasons we don't know, Thomas wasn't there. So Jesus is about to appear to Thomas. And we will look at that this morning in John chapter 20 and verses 24 through 31. But as we go through this this morning, here's what I really want all of us to focus on. That Jesus is the gospel. 
I touched on it last week. I want to touch on it at the beginning and then at the end of the message as well this morning. When we share the gospel with others, we are not just sharing a set of cold facts and saying, give intellectual agreement to this. No, salvation is coming to a Savior, a resurrected and living Savior, who in his death and resurrection completely did everything necessary to accomplish our salvation. Salvation is putting all of your faith and trust in the living and resurrected Christ in what he accomplished for you in his death and resurrection. It is so important that we never forget that. You are inviting people to come to Jesus when you share with them. Well, in John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31, we read, Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Excuse me. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Well, our first point this morning is simply Thomas. Thomas, one of the twelve, had serious and sincere doubts about the resurrection of Jesus. Now, For those of you who have studied the Bible and maybe you have been a Christian, a born-again believer for many years, Thomas kind of has a bad reputation. He's often referred to as Doubting Thomas. And I think some of that reputation is a little undeserved. He did doubt. But I want to share with you this morning that I think Thomas had very serious and sincere doubts. There were things that he was struggling with. You see, there are two types of doubters. One is good, and the other is bad. The first type of doubter, sometimes an unbeliever, sometimes can even be a believer, are people who just have some doubts. They have questions. They need to know more. And I want you to know that God welcomes those doubters. He meets them in their doubt. 
And we can sincerely, honestly help people answer the questions that they have or say to them, look into Scripture. We can always describe We can always trust that God's inerrant, infallible word, his inspired word, will defend itself. Look into scripture for yourself. And sometimes all they need is someone to help them with their doubts. There is a second kind of doubter, and this is not good, and God does not welcome them, and that is the cynic and the skeptic who no matter how much evidence you may give them, they don't plan to believe anyway. There's nothing that you could say to them, no evidence you could give them that would cause them to believe. Their hearts have become hardened, they have dug in their heels, and they're not going to believe. God does not welcome that kind of doubt. Thomas falls into that first category. He had serious and sincere doubts. In verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. He is called one of the twelve. He is one of the original twelve. Now notice they call them the twelve. That's how they were known. They were known as the twelve. Yes, Judas is gone. He has yet to be replaced, but they were still referred to as the twelve. That's just the title this band of men had. He's also, notice, called the twin. He was a twin. We don't know if he had a twin brother or a twin sister, but he was a twin, and so people called him Thomas the twin. We do that even today. Some of you here this morning may be a twin. I have twin granddaughters, and sometimes people will come up to me and say to me, I saw the twins this week. That's just how they're sometimes referred to. Not always, but sometimes they'll just tell me they saw the twins. That's how Thomas was known. He was known as the twin. But, excuse me, the Bible wants us to know he was not there the first time that Jesus appeared to the disciples. In verse 25, So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. The disciples are so excited. They said, Thomas, we saw him. He's alive. Thomas, you've got to believe us. Jesus is alive. But Thomas is not yet willing to believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. And we need to understand, and this again is the beauty of studying the whole context of a gospel and especially these last few chapters. This, folks, is an extremely emotional time for everyone involved. This is what I believe is happening. They're saying, Thomas, he's alive. And Thomas, who is a thinker, we see this in other parts of the New Testament, is thinking, I saw him. I saw them brutally, violently beat our master. I saw it. I saw them mock him. I saw him crucified. I saw him buried. How can you tell me he's alive? 
unless I see those nail-scarred hands and put my hand there, unless I can put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now, certainly, there is doubt here, but I think he is inwardly really struggling. How can I believe this? How can I believe this? Well, Jesus appears once again at the meeting place of the apostles, but this time, he comes to speak lovingly with Thomas. And I don't want you to miss that this morning. Jesus loves Thomas so much that he comes to meet with him. He's not the only one in the room, but he comes to meet with Thomas. Verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Verse 26 is almost identical to verse 19 that we looked at last week. Jesus, in his resurrected body, transports himself right into the room, even though the doors are locked, and says, Peace be with you. This is the third time this chapter that Jesus has said, To his disciples, peace be with you. Let my peace rest upon you. I am your peace. So it's the same as it was eight days earlier with one exception. Thomas is there. Thomas is there. Verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. And see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas. Thomas, you can almost sense in the mood of the text, Jesus loves him so much. He knows Thomas's heart, and he says, Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. I shared with you last week that Jesus bears his scars for all of eternity because he will always forever be be the slain lamb of God. I spent more time on that last week. You can go back and listen to it. But he still has the scars in his hands, his feet, and in his side. And he invites Thomas to see and to touch. Thomas, I am alive. It is me. See me. Touch me. And in verse 28, that powerful, powerful verse, Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. What a statement. This is called one of the great confessions in all of the Bible. The text doesn't say it, but I think it's very possible that Thomas had fallen to his knees. Notice, do not miss everything, even punctuation is important in the Bible. Notice the exclamation mark. He doesn't say, my Lord and my God. He says, my Lord and my God. I I believe he said it with all the passion and emotion and energy that he had within him. My Savior. If ever there was a statement of the confirmation of his salvation, this is it. 
Folks, don't miss it. This is an absolute, complete surrender of a person's life to Jesus. And that's what Thomas is doing here. And that's what salvation is. A complete surrender of your life to Jesus. My Savior, my Lord, my God. And then in verse 29, Jesus said to him, Again, I believe with great love. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas, Thomas, I'm glad you believed because you have seen me. But there is an even greater blessing, an even greater blessing to those who have not seen and yet believe. Thomas, I'm going to ask you to walk by faith. I'm going to ask you to believe a lot of things that you won't see and you need to believe with the faith of a child. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for. Some translations have the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And I believe that's what Jesus is doing here. He is inviting him. Thomas, I'm glad you believed because you have seen, but blessed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And we know this morning that for over 2,000 years, Millions of men and women and boys and girls have believed in Jesus without seeing, by faith, trusting in the inspired word of God, they have believed that Jesus died and he is now alive. Well, our second point this morning is believing in Jesus. John twenty thirty one is the purpose statement for the entire Gospel of John. I shared this with you, and again, I know it's been almost two years ago in the first few sermons that I preached out of the Gospel of John. I emphasized that the purpose statement for the entire Gospel is found in verse 31. In verses 30 and 31, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. These have been written. This gospel has been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior who is to come into the world, the Son of God, God in human flesh, and that by believing you may have life, eternal life, in his name. Now, when it says, now Jesus did many other signs, he's talking about miracles. The word signs here refers to miracles that are accompanied by teaching. And we have seen a number of miracles in the Gospel of John. I jotted them down just so I could review them with you very quickly this morning. The miracles we have seen in the Gospel of John. 
In John chapter 2, Jesus turned the water into wine at the wedding in Cana. In John chapter 4, Jesus healed the government official's son at Capernaum, healed him from a distance, just said the word, and the boy was healed. In John chapter 5, Jesus healed the invalid, the man who had been crippled for 38 years by the pool of Bethesda. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. In John chapter 6, Jesus walks on water. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man born blind. In John chapter 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Then we will see in John chapter 21 that Jesus produces a miraculous catch of fish. And John writes, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples. He did other signs than what we have in the Gospel of John, and we know that from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that there are miracles, signs recorded in those three Gospels that aren't recorded in the Gospel of John, but I think it's very likely that Jesus did so many miracles that not even all of them are even recorded for us. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. Verse 31, but these are written. But these signs accompanied by their teachings, these miracles accompanied by their teachings, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may be saved. You may come to know Jesus in a personal and saving way that you might have eternal life in him. So all of the Gospel of John, we we still have chapter 21 to go, but all of the Gospel of John has come down to this statement. And I want to go back to what I mentioned to you at the beginning of this message. At the end of John chapter 20, the Apostle John drives home the essential truth that Jesus is the gospel. And if you remember nothing else this morning, that's what I want you to remember, that Jesus is the gospel. Salvation is believing in a real and living person who died as a substitute for our sins, who paid for all of our sins on the cross, rose gloriously and victoriously from the dead, and welcomes you to come to him Again, the gospel is not just a cold set of facts that we intellectually agree with. It is coming to a Savior. I want to say something, and and please, I want to say this very carefully. I hope you understand that in this church, I hope from my messages and from all the teaching that you receive in this church, you understand that we want to get the gospel right. We do want people to understand that they are sinful, that they need to repent of their sin, that they need to understand what Jesus did for them on the cross, and that they need to place their faith and trust in him to receive him as Lord and Savior. But I wonder sometimes if we are so worried about getting every little detail of the gospel right that sometimes we have become afraid to call them to a decision to let them believe, 
to say it's time. Maybe they don't understand every aspect of sin and repentance and belief. No one understands it all when they first come. So we need to get it right, but let's not let the proverbial pendulum go in the other way that we're so worried. Boy, I don't know if they really understand sin yet. I don't know if they perfectly understand what he really did for them on the cross. Folks, there has to come a point where you have to let them believe. If you've done your very best in presenting it to them and they seem ready, let them pray and receive Jesus as Savior. You know what salvation is? Salvation is looking at Jesus on the cross and what he did for them and saying, Jesus, save me. Save me, Jesus. Perhaps there is no greater example and one that stands to convict us throughout history, and that is the thief on the cross. Always amazed at the simplicity of the faith of the thief on the cross, he hangs there next to Jesus in great agony because he too is crucified. And in Luke chapter 23 and verses 42 and 43, we read, And he, the thief, said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he, Jesus, said to him, Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. You know what his salvation prayer was? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Do you know what he's doing as he watches Jesus hanging on that cross? He says, Jesus, save me. Save me. We're going to do something a little different this morning. We're going to watch a short video. The video is just about a three and a half minute excerpt from a sermon by Alistair Begg. He's a longtime senior pastor at Parkside Church in Cleveland, Ohio, well known pastor and author. And this is a little excerpt from one of his sermons on the cross. And he specifically talks about the thief on the cross. And I want you to listen very carefully to what he says about the thief on the cross. 